don't chase the dollars. When you're starting, chase the people. Go and work with good people. Be around good people. Watch what good people do. I flew around the country just mirroring what people did for my first probably three months. Every week, every second weekend, I'd pop to Melbourne or I'd pop up to Queensland and just watch what people were doing and be a sponge, find good people. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of elite agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner, Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts, visit EliteAgentElevate.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, Visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate Podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor of Elite Agent and host of today's show. On today's show, I'm joined by Harcourt's Launceston director and sales agent, Jeremy Wilkinson. A regular top performer, Jeremy has been ranked as the number one salesperson for Harcourts Tasmania and was recently awarded the 2020 area for top residential salesperson in Tasmania. So welcome to the show, Jeremy. Thanks, Sam. Pleasure to be here. Love to have a chat. Yeah, amazing. And I wanted to start out once again by congratulating you on your recent area award. That's a tough award to win. So how did it feel to receive that recognition? That was actually pretty cool. I've got a couple of assistants. One of them because he's a techo, he's reckon I had it in the bag and I'm going, nothing's ever in the bag, mate, nothing's ever in the bag. But really good for our office, me personally, my team, our office, and I'm going to plug a brand, Harcourts in general, truthfully. But it just shows Tassie's running off its head at the moment and it's good to have kept in front of the crowd in a crazy market. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think has been, like last year was a bit of a crazy year, but Tasmania has been a pretty hot market for quite some time now. Let's talk a little bit about your year last year. How would you describe the year that you had? I think it was about this time. Was it about this time? I don't know. About this time. It was actually about a year ago. Yeah. I reckon we were just about to shut up shop. It was like, oh, golly gosh, how are we going to pay our bills? Like the whole world did this, so we're all the same. Radio, what are we going to do? We lose all our staff. Do we? Uh, there's three directors in my company and we've gone, radio. us three could just do it on our own if everyone has to go. It was all this turmoil going on. I probably had two weeks of Netflix and garden. <laughs> Got a really good garden now. You want to see it. And then I thought, nah, we're heading, mate. Get back to work. We couldn't restrict the work. But we got back into it and literally... My March last year, weirdly, was the best month I've ever had ever in, I'm going to say, 20 years. It's probably 19 years of real estate, but 20 sounds better. And it just went on from there. April was a bit of a blip down, but not bad. And we just kept doing what we do, which is make the calls, talk to our clients, make sure they felt a bit of love in a horrible time. Yeah, it's interesting. I think you sold in total 115 properties in 2020, despite all that was going on. So a lot of people, and we're even finding now in some of the other capital cities that people are just reluctant to move, even though property values are going up. 
I moved in the middle of lockdowns and things like that, and I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. <laughs> but people were still like buying and selling and things like that in Tasmania all through last year. Can you describe why you think that is? I reckon, truthfully, our markets, the volume and volumes have dropped dramatically everywhere and that on every bit of stats you see for the whole of Australia. But I reckon we've dropped probably 50% volume-wise on what we'd normally be selling and the volume that's out there. Personally, the reason why I kept doing those numbers, and I'm talking about myself here, but then to talk about the market, is we just kept running and so many just stopped. We just took market share off other people by being there ready to do the job. And the other thing is the market in general, like what you said, a lot of people just sat on their hands because they've gone, we don't know what to do when we have a job in six months. So they've just sat and people are still sitting. I've got dozens of clients that will sit because they've got nowhere to go because they can't find their next house because there's nowhere to go to. So there's this funny glut in the market, which hopefully changes, but it's probably creating the boom that's happening now. It's interesting. And pretty soon we're about to see the end of job seeker and job keeper. Do you think that will affect your market in a significant way? I hope not. I don't know economists, but I, I don't think it will drastically. We know there's some sectors that have still got big trouble and I feel so sorry for them. That sort of tourism-y part of the marketplace, which they know they're in trouble, but we just need to get the borders open better for Australia so people can freely travel everywhere, which we're nearly at that anyway. Hopefully it doesn't. There might be some businesses that struggle that fall off the back end, like more retaily, which might turn into more stuff coming to the market, but I don't think it'll glut, which that's what everyone's saying, it will glut and that will then drop the price. Supply demand, high demands, well, the high supply of stock pushes the price down. I don't think it'll happen. It's definitely a watch this space because a lot of people made predictions last year about markets falling off cliffs and things like that. And here we are in this crazy market that we're in right now. I was thinking about this before we came on. Australia's an island isolated from a lot of this, the problems that happen in the world. Yes, we've had problems. Yes, it's really bad. Let's not, we can't say it's not. Tassie's that other island that's that next step down. So we've become almost this safe haven where people are hunting us down. We're not selling a big percentage of our stock to interstaters, but my God, the inquiry is so strong from interstate at the moment. They just aren't ready to move yet, which is going to be great for our economy in general, I think. Yeah, and when people are ready to move, for sure. I've spoken to you in the past, and I know along the way you've talked about the importance of building long-term relationships with clients. So for the young guns that might be listening, because there's quite a few of them that listen to this podcast that like to learn from the experts, what are your top tips for building relationships without being annoying? Yeah, it's so hard to not be the stalker because I see so many that are, and you just go, pull it back, kids. It's about, well, first building genuine rapport with people, but it's not sitting in the house and having a three-hour coffee with them. It's about three-minute touch points every now and again. Thankfully, I've got some beautiful assistants that work with me, but we've got amazing systems. We're literally, whether it's monthly, quarterly, half-yearly or yearly, I get basically a pile of folders every week or every day put on my desk and they come out of our database system and they go, you've got to ring all those people this morning. And I go, I hate this. I hate it. I actually hate it. But it's 
doesn't seem dollar productive, but my assistants always go, when I put that pile back, they go, how do you go? Well, I've got a couple of listings. They go, mate, make more calls. <laughs> Making the calls and having a database, a system that allows you to do the personal touch because we're too busy hiding behind our keyboards at the moment. And I find the chat and then the go and meet is a thousand times better. It's a thousand times better. Not saying emails and database emails are great, aren't bad. They're brilliant, but they're part of the recipe. Yeah. It's interesting finding things to talk to people about. I was listening to a radio program while I was driving home about Queensland and there was this person that came on that said, the real estate agent's hounding me to sell. He calls me every day asking me for an appraisal because the market's pretty crazy up here as well. What sort of things do you talk to people about that are just not necessarily let me come and do an appraisal? I've tried to position myself, and this will sound a bit out there, but I've tried to position myself as their expert. And I've given all the training over to because it's hundreds and hundreds of hours a year, literally. It's to be their expert, but do it subliminally. Don't be the one that rings them up and I sold 1.2 houses in the last two. Idiot. Seriously, I don't care. For me, you want to see my files, every file I've got on every person, and it's paper file. Yeah, right. I've got a database that does everything, but I'm a little bit old for that from that point of view. I'm not old, I'm 48, so I probably am old. But for me, I've got notes on everything I've ever talked to them about. I've got them back to 19 years ago. I know their kids' ages, I know everything. So I'm talking to them about what they've been doing. The last time I go, they were going to Queensland for a holiday. How was that? And it's just having a two-minute chat. It's trying to limit to a, limit it to a two-minute chat, not a 20-minute chat, which you can get into, which just mucks up your, your time, basically. Yeah, yeah. And when your assistant hands you this pile of files of a daily basis of people to call, how many files do you reckon you get handed on a daily basis? 30. 30. 20 or 30. And if I can do 30 calls a day, I'm happy. And I'll sometimes miss a day or two and I'll have a massive pile and I'll just have to lock myself in a room for three hours, which I hate, so I try and do it every day. I want to be out there. I know what I'm good at and it's being out in the field, but it's probably also talking to people. So do what you're good at. But we, I'm always trying to find excuses not to ring or not to call. And they just, I gave up coffee literally six months ago because I think it was sending me crazy because <laughs> I just make excuses. So I'd go and get coffees for everyone. I ended up buying coffees for the office every time I wanted to not do database calls. Yeah, that's a good opportunity detector, isn't it? Like I'm off to buy coffee. So it must mean I'm avoiding something really important. Totally. totally. Yeah. Absolutely. In addition to selling a lot of property last year, you also received 61 five-star reviews, which is a lot of happy customers. So do you have any tips for agents when it comes to, let's say, asking for review first? Because sometimes that can be a little bit awkward. Be gutsy enough to just ask straight away. It's like asking for a listing. Don't be scared. That's our job. But don't ring up someone randomly and go, I want to sell your house. It's not going to work. But it's making sure you've done the best job for them. They're going to go, I love what's happened here. Either buyer, seller, buyer or seller, and they'll rave about you. Yeah, but don't leave it too long. Do it as soon as it's basically sold. You know, have a go at it then and then have a go at unconditional stage, but have a system in place for doing that. Don't just do it at the end of every month because sometimes it's too late. Yeah, you want to get them while they're in that state of euphoria, yeah? 
Absolutely. And it's also like it's a funny thing, and I say to this to people, I say this in every listing appointment I go into, I treat everyone like they're my mum. And not that I'm giving them cuddles and hugs and kisses and stuff like that, but I want them to come out the back of that experience and go, actually, that was brilliant. And that's exactly how I would have expected that to go. Or flip it the other way. And if it was me, how would I expect this process to happen? And do it the right way. And they, you know, there's going to be some that muck up. And it's not because you muck it up. There's an angry buyer or there's a bank that extends finance by 60 days. We can't control that, but make sure you're communicating all the way through. And if you're doing that, you normally get good reviews. Yeah, I was just about to ask you what your secret superpower was for customer service. So you would say it's communication? Communication. And I've been doing this a while, man, whatever, say 20 years. I'm reiterating saying that again and again. I kept saying I was 30. I, this is why I exaggerate. <laughs> Actually, I'm 48. When I first started work in another industry, from when I was 22 to about 29 and three quarters, I had to tell everyone I was 30. Because I was the youngest guy running a crew of marine surveyors and all this sort of stuff, they wouldn't have anyone young looking after them. So I always exaggerate my age to the higher side just to make it look better. But the magic trick, it's just being yourself in how we do this and how you, it's showing that you're enthusiastic and you love what you're doing and not, you know, not deviating from that. And then when you start deviating from it, rein yourself in and come on, kid, what's going on here? Let's get back on track because why am I here? I'm here to get my client the best possible price I can in the market right now rather than anything else. How many touch points would you have with someone? How many times would you contact a vendor that was selling right now, like over the period of time, over the marketing campaign, just to get an idea? It's funny, our market's changed a lot now. Literally, our marketing campaigns now are a week. Literally, it's like launch on a Monday most likely sell the next Monday with three or four open homes in between time. But um, touch points, it's every time when we load it online or they look at the photos, we load it online, I'm talking to them. First inquiries, I'm talking to them, and that's sometimes within hours. Then it's after every single appointment, talking to them, giving them a feel of what the buyers are saying. And no no fluffing up stuff, it is what it is. This is what they're saying so that when I do get offers and we're getting multi-offers on most things at the moment, that on my page, not on their other page, which might be low, might be high, but I want them on my page. So honestly, in every listing, it's probably 20 or 30 times. Yes. I don't do most of my work now though, after it's contracts in, that's when I'm doing more touch points than ever. Luckily, I've got two good assistants that allow me to do that because I wasn't doing that. And I wasn't doing that back about five years ago and it reflected in the numbers because I've literally doubled the numbers in the last five years. Yeah, it is truly touch points. It's interesting, isn't it? And some of the touch points that people, you know, don't consider, you just mentioned one of them then when the listing goes online. That's an exciting point in time for the vendor, isn't it? Like you go share it with your mates and it's often the best that their property's ever looked. Normally the comment you get is, why am I selling this? It looks brilliant. <laughs> and yeah. like, oh, no. <laughs> that's why we're selling because we're going to get top dollar. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so you just also mentioned that you had a career before real estate. So tell us about that and how did you come to be in real estate? Random. I'm an ag scientist by trade, which is out there for what I'm doing now. And 
I was honestly lined up to not take over because I wasn't in that type of family, buy the family farm in Mildura when I was 30 or probably 25 and worked in that sort of industry for about 10 years out of Melbourne, but a lot of travel around the world doing quality control work in basically agri-products all around the place. Very good life, crazy life for a single lad, very good life because you saw the world, it was brilliant. And then wife and children started coming up, wife first, obviously, well, not obviously, (laughs) wife and children came on, it's not obvious nowadays, it's all over the place. But And my wife's gone, hmm, my parents live in Launceston, we met in Melbourne, my parents live in Launceston, we're not moving to Mildura, we're going to Lonnie. And I'm going, oh. Okay, so I've got to quit. She's going, yeah, you're coming to Lonnie or you're leaving. So came to Lonnie without a job, honestly, without a job. Not to run this out too long. I couldn't get a job because I was so specialised and so overqualified in my specific little area. Couldn't get a job in the industry and got paid to not work in the industry for two years out of the company I'd come from. They said, do not work for the competitors. I ended up doing backfield work at Woolworths. And I drove a postal van to Deloraine every day. It was the coolest job ever, but a, not saying they're bad jobs, but I got bored real quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I needed to find something to get the brain humming again, basically. Yeah. And, and how did you choose real estate? Or did real estate choose you? It's locally choose me. I, it was a sales job, what I was doing previously, but it was bigger commodity as shiploads of stuff instead of houses and bits and pieces. The house I bought in Launceston, I told that guy, who's Tony Morrison, who's my business partner now, I said, oh, I think I like this. He literally rang me back six months later and said, there's a real estate course on tomorrow, or it might have been the day after, I think I had two days. He said, if you want to do it, you should have a go. You've got two days to study. And I did, and I passed it flukily, and that's the end. (laughs) Yep. And the rest, they say, is history. Yeah, I know. It was just so weird. I just fell into it and I was meant to be here. That sounds really, anyway, none of that. But it's it, it just feels like, wow, I should have been here 30 years ago. But I don't think I would have had the light. Well, I'd been bashed up in life pretty hard as the job I had was pretty heavy. And I think it just prepared me for this game because it's not easy and you've got to be able to take the hits and, I think that life experience just led me into it beautifully. Yeah. Do you think there's more than just being able to list a property to being a real estate agent? You need to be a psychologist and a friend and a a mentor even, (laughs) somebody that needs to give tough love. It's hilarious. I keep saying I should go do a a psychology, I should go do a degree, but just to learn how to work people's minds a bit better. But I think when you talk to so many people every day, if you suck a bit of info in, we get good at it. You know, the good agents get good at it. And I see lots of good agents in my town that are good at it. There's some that are terrible at it and they shouldn't be in real estate. But it's just reading people, not trying to read cards or anything like that, but trying to be one step ahead of everything and have all the info in there and not be caught unawares with questions that come from left field, be able to go, actually, really good question. Let's go through that rather than go, I don't know. Yeah, experience gives you that, doesn't it? So you just mentioned that real estate can be tough and we know it can be tough. 
How do you set yourself up to come back from a bit of a setback or if you're having a bit of a bad day or someone doesn't want to talk to you or something like that? How do you get yourself back on the horse? This happens every couple of hours in my life where someone rejects, but not that I take a no as a yes or yes as a no. It's none of that. But I actually read something there not long ago. I'm not a huge reader, but stuff comes firing at you from a million different ways. And I think as a rugby player saying, in rugby, you've got to be a humble winner, but a brilliant loser. And I think that's what we've got to be. And that, you know, not saying I'm a brilliant loser. I'll go and cry in the corner for five minutes. I won't. I'll go and walk out in the car park and kick something or yell at myself. And then you go, radio, next phone call, get back on the horse. Because if you didn't get back on the horse, honestly, real estate isn't your game. And I know we're talking to real estate agents here, but it's to be able to rebound within five minutes, not have to go and have a bender for a week to get over one listing you missed because you're not going to live that long and it's just not, it's too hard. Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's really hard at the moment with the market so tight and volume so low. I'm guessing for agents out there at the moment, converting every single listing that you can makes all the difference. And as Johnny McGrath famously has said there's no prizes for coming second. What are your tips at the moment for making sure that you don't miss when it gets to the living room and it gets down to crunch time? It's probably just being ultra prepared, right, prepared right now. And luckily, stuff like all that sort of stuff, you're promoting yourself at awards might get you to the door. But if you're not switched on and ready, you, you're kicked out in 30 seconds. I think I was Rick Rushton there a couple of weeks ago we were doing a seminar with and he basically Stats now take you got three seconds to win someone over. It used to be 30 seconds or whatever. Yeah. Stop doing your stats, Rick. But three seconds, you've got to have them caught right there. If you don't, you're out. So it's about being super prepared, prepared, knowing everything that's going on in the area. And probably most of the time, not sitting there babbling on for three hours. People are busy and busy. They've got crazy things that are going on in their lives, just give them a half an hour window or a 45-minute window and be concise and give them everything they need right there and then. Most want to do a double stage, triple stage, quadruple stage, slam at home and after I've met you seven times. Beauty contest. Absolutely. <laughs> but the tricky, actually, number one thing I reckon, and I haven't got it on now, number one thing is turn up, look on the part. Mm. Look like a real estate. Look like what you, your mum and dad might have expected a real estate agent to look like. Have the nice suit on. Be dressed well. Do your hair. Polish your shoes. I think Glenn Cortino told me that like 20 years ago when I went training with him. He's going, just look the part, mate. You're probably going to win most. Seriously, that's probably my number one tip. It's not hard market either, but it's just look like the right words are going to come out of your mouth. <laughs> Yeah. Someone famous actually said to me once, it's not their job to be interested. It's your job to be interesting. So it's not their job to pay attention. It's your job to get their attention. 100%. Agree totally. Agree totally. Well, I was going to ask you, what does your average day look like now and how do you manage your time? Average day, mornings. I try not to get out of the office in the mornings now. My staff try and tie me to a chair, literally, because I'll try and worm out and escape. <laughs> give me a, if they look the other way, I'll be sneaking out the back. Literally, not to go and you know do work, but I'll be sneaking out the back to do other fun things. I'm normally up and going by five thirty, not in the office, but up and going preparing kids for school, doing all that sort of stuff. 
I've either gone for a run or I've gone to the gym. I'm back by probably 7.30, taking kids to school, and I'm on the phones from probably 8.30 to 10.30. I might do appraisal. Normally it would be that appraisal prep for probably maybe an hour or so because my number one goal is to do my only target and I take all numbers and dollars out of it. The dollars come if you work hard. It sounds a bit silly, but it's the truth. All I need to do is one appraisal a day. All I need to do is one appraisal a day. So everything's turned around doing one appraisal a day because if I do one a day and I do 285 appraisals or 265 appraisals a year, I'm going to get my 110 to 140 listings a year and it's just going to be good for everyone. So it's just truly focusing on that. Then my afternoon's out doing fun things like talking to people because that's what I love. That's what I love. Yeah, so you do the work in the morning and then you reward yourself by letting yourself get out and in amongst the community. I'm not having coffees up the street. I don't have coffee anymore. But um, it's not like going to have that. But it's more about doing the things I love in the game rather than the things that I find hard to do, which is locking myself in a room, talking about, I'm not talking about real estate. I'll talk about real estate till the cows come home. But um, just making the calls, just dialing the number. I should have an auto dial. It just doesn't have to ring. Maybe I should do that. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Like I think what you say is it doesn't matter what job you have. There are some parts of it that you naturally are drawn to and some parts of it. Don't tell anyone, but I hate proofing. you got to lock me in a room to do that. Same. I hate writing text for ads. That's why I've got staff that do that for me. Oh, over it and they go, did you look at it? I go, of course I did. I like the heading. It's stuff I, I'm not good at that. I'm good at doing the people stuff in between. So do what you're good at. Do what you're good at. But I know when you start out, it's really hard to say to young ones and go, oh, you, go, you can't give every. You've got to learn it. You've got to understand. You've got a worst case scenario. Everything changed and I've got to do it on my own. I could do it, but I'd be pretty slow at it. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. always do things much better and much quicker. We're more productive yeah. at things that we like than things that we don't. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your goals for the year ahead? What's the next target? One right now, I'm wanting to be, I'm hoping I can be, and there's a couple of guys and gals working against me on this to be number one for Tassie for Harcourts, which we'll know in the next couple of months. My other big, hairy, audacious goal was to be in the top 10 for Harcourts Australia for this year. Next year, my assistants hate me for this because I did it only two days ago. We did business planning on Monday or Tuesday, is to be in the top five for Australia for next financial year and just to be number one again in Tassie. I find it really uh, the most challenging part of all that is when you're number one, whatever, I don't even think about that, but you're at a level, you've got to go to the next level and it's to find the energy and the people around you to get to that next level because you, so, you've got to be driven by the market or coffee, <laughs> not anymore, or just good people. And I've just realised getting good people around you makes you better. Yeah. There's always a bigger goal. You are number one in Tasmania now. Why not number one in Australia? Yeah. Have a crack. I've always said I want to be number one in the universe and my staff just laugh at me and go, I'm a fool, but that's okay. What is it? I don't know who says it. Might be Bob Wolf or someone. Aim for the stars, you might hit the moon, mate. You don't aim for the moon or you hit the mudflats down the bottom. You don't want that. Just go hard. You don't need to buy a Ferrari every year. I don't own a Ferrari either. 
I've got an X trail, sorry, <laughs> but I'm, aim high, just shoot high because you never know where you might land, but have good systems to help you achieve those goals, truthfully. Yeah, absolutely. I was just about to ask you my final question, which you might have just answered, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And also to thank you for joining us today and spending some time with us because it is great for some of the newer people in in the industry to learn from guys like you. But do you have a final piece of advice for agents out there or one thing that you would like everyone to remember from either your journey or or listening to what we've talked about today? Yeah, good call. Um, I think I got told this from day one and I ignored it for about six months, maybe 12 months. It was probably three or four people telling me and they're going, database, database. I'm going, yeah, whatever. I got scared at the start because I didn't want to ring my friends and say, oh, I'm in real estate. Have you got a house to sell? So no, just tell people you're starting in real estate if they ever want any help to ring you. Anyway, database. And the other thing is be a sponge. Get around good people. I'm going to say this and it probably annoy people, whatever. It won't annoy you and it's not a swear word, don't worry. Um, <laughs> go and work. Be around good people. If someone says they're going to give you 75% commission, don't chase the dollars because 75% of nothing's nothing, seriously. If they aren't bringing business in, don't chase the dollars. When you're starting, chase the people. Go and work with good people. Be around good people. Watch what good people do. I flew around the country just mirroring what people did for my first probably three months. Every week, every second weekend, I'd pop to Melbourne or I'd pop up to Queensland and just watch what people were doing and I'd obviously ask them if I could. I wasn't being the creepy guy in the bushes. But I'm not saying there weren't experts here I could watch, but be a sponge, find good people, find good people. Yeah, I like that idea. I really like that idea of finding good people and working with them because, well, the other famous expression in the industry is playing the long game, isn't it? It's not something that's going to happen in two weeks. We all expect that we're going to make a million bucks our first year. I don't even make that. Not being not being silly, it, it's you. You know, it might be commission, but once a tax man takes everything and you give everything back to it, it's not that much money. Not being a winger, but it's about playing it. You're in it for life. If you're in it for a quick buck, oh, it's really hard. It's a hard game. That's really great advice, Jeremy Wilkinson. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Elevate with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts. Visit eliteagentelevate.com.